And welcome to another edition of Fire in the Mountains Smoky Mountain Wrestling Review Show. Ricky Wittenberg, along with Justin Edgel and Andy Waddell. And tonight we will recap three episodes of Smoky Mountain Wrestling TV. We're going to go over episodes 19, 20, and 21 as they were all part of one TV taping. And uh, pretty fired up for this show tonight, boys. Andy, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. I've been to two horse races and a goat breeding, and I ain't never seen nothing like we're going to see this week. There we go. Justin Edgel, how are you doing this week? Doing really well. NASCAR is back. I got to say that. But we gotta, we're talking about wrestling tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Three good shows we're going to review tonight. Um, fuck Brian Lee. Okay. All right. So, I mean, in NASCAR, let, let's just be honest. We're right in the middle of it. I mean, you, wrestling and NASCAR was hand in hand, definitely back in the day before they before they corporatized NASCAR. And we won't talk about NASCAR on this show because that makes us mad enough anyway. <laughs> right. So yeah, this is enjoyment. We don't want to ruin it. Yeah, the the, the NASCAR show is uh, is usually a therapy session. All right, so... Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. So um, right off the bat, first of all, uh, our big news did break last week. We'd like to uh, thank the Place to Be Nation for uh, bringing us in as part of one of their as one of their podcasts. As they got a lot of good podcasts on the Place to Be Nation, so we're just happy to be along for the ride on the uh, Place to Be Nation. So you can find our podcast now on there as well as uh, the SoundCloud feed as always. Yeah, I second that for sure. I mean, it's it's awesome to be on there. I appreciate it a lot. I really do. Yeah, I mean, those guys know what they're doing, and uh, they've they've got a lot of good stuff going for them. So uh, now that we've got the verbal blow job out of the way, we will go straight into the Smoky Mountain <laughs> Smoky Mountain Wrestling Show of the week. Uh, we'll start off with episode nineteen. We are in Greenville, no Spartansburg, South Carolina, at the Spartanburg Memorial Auditorium. And they list attendance at 400, and I, they must have had Carl Stiles counting because, by God, I don't think there was any possible way there was 400 people in the audience. Well, there were 400, but then Danny Davis exploded on everybody and it knocked it down to 25. Uh, he, ran them, he ran them all off. All right. So right off the, right off the bat, we've got Dutch and Bob at the desk with uh, Barry Horowitz. Yeah. Dutch with his nice stoner neon hat, by the way. Oh yeah, the, the that hat just threw me right back to that day and age. And Andy, I know you'll remember this pretty well. Any gas station we'd go into back in the day had those neon green or orange sunglasses, those Newport sunglasses that you could get for like eight cents and a uh they were just they were pro- prolific here in East Tennessee, let me say that. We thought we were cool. We didn't know no better. We had no idea. At least just, now we know. I just thought he liked to smoke weed. That's all. Well, I mean that that too. I, I, I don't think Dutch had a problem indulging. So we get Barry Horowitz right off of the right off of the bat. He he interrupts Bob and Dutch, and he doesn't want to talk to Bob Cottle. He basically tells him to shut up that he wants to talk to Dutch Mantell because Dutch Mantell is a real man, and uh, he he wants everybody to know that he's not a loser and he's a winner, and he's going to be fighting Brian Lee today on tv and he, he basically says if he beats brian lee he's the champion and bob cottle interrupts him because it's a non-title match and and dutch mantel says well if you beat him i think you should be the champion which we go straight into this first match which is brian lee against barry horowitz and 
we can crack on the, Lee all we want to. And, uh, I mean, most of the time it's with pretty good reasoning. And I don't know if it's just this crowd because it's in South Carolina, but the, uh, we'll get, I'll tell you when I think the crowd's actually hot over this three taping set. I've only seen them hot twice or three times over this entire taping. And they don't give a flying crap about Brian Lee. I'll tell you that right now. Nobody, nobody cares. I don't know if they just, if they were smarter. Because, he, because he's shit. That's why. Well, well I, I will say I have heard a better ovation the last time I had sex and I was by myself. So <laughs> happy Valentine's day to everyone. All right, so Brian Lee and Horowitz, I mean, basically it it's what you would expect. It's a glorified squash. I mean, Barry Horowitz, one of my favorite wrestlers that's an undercard guy, kind of like Rip Rogers, in the same category, not quite as good as Rip, but Barry Horowitz is definitely adequate. And I mean, basically it's just a Lee squash. And I thought that he worked the match kind of like a heel. I mean – he didn't get which you're the champion and he's a bigger guy. So it's kind of hard to give Horowitz a lot of offense, but he basically come across with his offenses looking like the hill. I thought, but yeah, 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 I agree with you on that. I mean, which for once it was kind of, it was kind of cool to see that for Brian Lee. Oh my God. Let me throw up, but you know, it, the biggest thing that that came out to me about this is uh, Dutch <laughs> saying that Florida t- declared him legally stupid, which I, I I can see that. And then there were this this is the first match I've seen, uh, or I, at least I've noticed the crackhead tweaker ring announcer guy. It looks like his eyes were rolled in the back of his head when he was announcing the guys. Now he's a legend. I, I, Oh, no, no, no. He's one of the Gatlin brothers. He is. He is. Uh, He's a cross between the Gatlin brothers and one of the Oak Ridge boys. The Oak Ridge boys. Yes, that was the other group I was thinking of. All right. Anyway, Brian Lee wins the match with the – no, he don't do the rub out. That's the other idiot. He does the – what does he do? The the cancellation. Cancellation. Yeah, Yeah, they they ought to gave Lee a canceled check and just sent him on his way. Um. Horowitz, the best part of this match is Barry Horowitz after the match jumping down on the canvas and rolling around throwing a hissy fit. And I made a mental note. I was like, well, I, that, I mean, I'm sure that's happened in wrestling before, but that kind of reminded me a whole lot of what Chris Jericho done in his WCW run when he went crazy. So I wonder if he got that kind of from maybe Horowitz here because, it, I mean, it's almost identical the way uh, – Chris Jericho starts acting later on in WCW. So not much else to say about that match. We go to the volunteer slam recap and we get to see once again, the, the joys of how Brian Lee overcame all the adversity and, and wins the world title on a disqualification. And uh, then they go to the desk with Brian Lee and he says he can never wrestle one at a time. And I, I, that's how you usually wrestle unless you're an ECW. I mean, that was, that was pre three-way dances. So usually it's one at a time. I don't know what he was talking about. He, I think he got confused. I think he meant to say, I can't wrestle two at a time. So I have to take you one at a time. And he got confused. 
I'm sorry. The bushwhackers give a better interview than this dude. It, it, somebody needs to give him a mouthpiece or a manager. I know you can't do that with a baby face, but dang on. It's coming. Um, it, 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 yeah, and the sad thing is, it, it's so obvious he's reading a damn teleprompter, and he still screws it up. He's so bad. Well, he says that he's not going to be, he's not playing, and he said that he can get dirty or wonderful. And I I know that he was, it's, it the plays, hell does that mean? It plays mean, on the name. <laughs> Sorry ass idiot. I mean, he's trying to get a date with Danny Davis. So that's all, that's all there is to it. Yeah, the memo pants just blew his mind away. Yeah, well, we'll talk about them later. Um, anyway, he's just setting up that he's mad at both the Dirty White Boy and Paul Orndorff. That's the whole gist of this. So we go back to the desk with uh, Coddle, and he, he plugs this Meet the Stars. And the only reason I even threw this in there is because, and Dutch Mantel does this quite often when Coddle's talking or plugging something, Dutch Mantel will mom, pantomime what Coddle's doing and it's almost like just a, a low rent version of, of somebody that's trying to do one of those um, things for the deaf for the uh, deaf. Right, right. Except <laughs> except Dutch is just doing it the the <laughs> the most obvious way possible, but it's hilarious. So a Dutch man tell there's there is no wrong with with dirty Dutch. No, he, exactly. he makes it. <laughs> that's, yes, he does. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's, it looks like he's doing sign language. Yeah, sign language. I, I was lost my. I couldn't think of the actual terminology for some reason. But yes, he, he's trying to do sign language in, in his own weird way. So yeah, match number two: Tommy Angel against the Dirty White Boy, and it's kind of what you would expect. I mean, it's pretty much a squash for the Dirty White Boy. And I, I did make a note that, you know, Tom, we saw Tommy Angel quite a few times so far here on Smoky Mountain, and the dude's a good worker. He's got a good size. He's got a good build. He just, I, I guess he don't have a, a good enough personality. I, I don't know. I mean, I know the guy's not going to carry a promotion, but he was good enough, I thought, to where he could have been a, maybe get a win every once in a while possibly or not look as bad as they make him look. I don't know. Andy, I mean, do you have any – Positive words to say about the Tommy Angel? Well, like you say, I, I don't. He's got the look. He's got the moves. He must have had just no mic skills or something. I mean, they could at least give him, you know, one of them feel good victories where the good guy comes and helps him because he's getting screwed over or something. But it's like they just use him for a squash every time he comes out there. Yeah, I mean, but. And 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 it doesn't help that he's definitely still firmly implanted in the eighties with with that glorious <laughs> mullet. But I mean, yes, I mean, it's nineteen ninety two, and there's a lot of wrestlers that was still hanging onto those mullets for dear life. So I, I can't I can't fault him too much for that. Party in the front, business in the back. All right, so the Dirty White Boy wins with the Buck Snort Blaster. About what you'd expect. I mean, it was a decent TV match. There's nothing wrong with it. And it's always fun to watch the Dirty White Boy just do his thing. Yep. He, he, I, I continue to say it every every single week we get on here. It's, to me, he's the best worker they have in this promotion that I've seen so far. So I can't really add any more except that 
Tommy Angel, yeah, he, he's. I mean, there's there there's got to be a reason why he's buried pretty much when he's a squash match every stinking week. Yeah, maybe it's his hair. It could be his hair. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. So we're we're at the desk now with the Caudle, Rot, and the Dirty White Boy. And Rod Wright says the dirty white boy got robbed. He said it's like them playing it, like them playing it up. I, I like them the way they play it up when you lose and you just act like you won and you just blow it off. And that's kind of what they do. He didn't beat me. I mean, we got it on tape. Well, he didn't beat me. They cheated. And that's all. You, that's all the hill has to do not to lose their heat. So, and the dirty white boy says that Lee paid the refs off. He he calls him a horse head again, which is always funny. And uh, Lee comes to the ring, and he invites Dirty White Boy in there to to fight him right then. And all of a sudden, Ron Wright says his heart is, is is acting up. It's skipping some beats. He just couldn't stand the Dirty White Boy beating up Brian Lee, and he, he had the Dirty White Boy push him off. So uh, it's funny the Dirty White Boy just keeps leaning over. Are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> well, what got me was when I first heard him call him a horse head, I thought he said a whore's head. And I'm like, how the hell did they sneak that past the censors? And then he said it again. I was like, oh, okay. I got you now. Yeah. It was just his, uh, his slang, but. Oh yeah. Deep East Tennessee right there. Oh yeah. So, the, so Ron Wright would not allow the dirty white boy to go down to the ring and, and take care of Lee right then, which is, which was funny. That was good. I mean, they, they got to play it up that he don't really want to fight him. So. That was their out there. And here's how stupid Brian Lee is. He t- he calls Dirty White Boy by his real name when you're you're really not supposed to do that, are you? Well, I mean, that, that, they that's didn't... Dirty White Boy's. I know Tony Anthony and that his real name, I guess. Yeah. But they don't. They never but, downplay but that. Moron. What? They, they never downplayed that in Smoky Mountain. Actually, sometimes they would call him um, by his real name. That was not probably that big of a deal because. Eventually, I mean, he he they they will definitely re- reference Dirty White Boy Tony Anthony. So okay, every, every, fine, everybody kind of knew who he was it, anyway. Well, if I have any opportunity to rip that asshole, I, I will. Oh so, yeah, I guess, well, I guess that might be. Oh dear lord. Well, I mean, it's it's like um, I mean it. If he had called Dixie Dynamite Scott Armstrong, then yeah. Even though we had all saw right. Scott Armstrong yeah, in the opening right. tapings, and then he disappears, and all of a sudden, this guy that looks very similar to him under a mask shows up. At least he's not trying to unveil, you know, he's not the wizard behind the curtain there, so he's not jerking anything out of the way. Right. <laughs> okay, so we get to a pre-tape with the Batten twins, and I, I did have to make a note. Does does the one Batten idolize Hitler, the, with the, the way he's got his mustache, you know the short. I mean, he's got the, he's got the goatee also, but he's got that little short Hitler stash, on top of his other stash. It's a, it's a stacked stash, or he's got a nose. It is hair very problem. obvious. Either it's either that or he's got a nose hair problem. I mean, we do, we are watching grainy video, so. And, I, I was more concerned about Joe Kazana and Jeff Gordon wrestling on the same team. That was, that was amazing. I didn't know he did that in his previous lifetime. <laughs> he did, oh, that's awesome because he does look a lot like Jeff Gordon when he had the stash. I, oh, we'll get to that later. Um, the, the Battens, are they want the heavenly bodies. He says that they're going to come for him. It's going to be like 
He's going. They're going to make the Hatfields and McCoys look like a Sunday church social, whatever that means. He been some some of the churches I've been to because that is like the Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah, no kidding. So match lost my. Sh- we we did have what is the next match? It's the Battens, right? They're they're fighting somebody. Yeah, they're they're fighting Kazana and Jeff Gordon. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's where he was going with that. I, I've lost I've lost my show notes all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Okay, the the Battens against Joe Kazana and Scott Sandlin. We'll just call him Jeff Gordon. That's that's better. And uh, mostly, this was definitely a squash. Um. I like Dutch saying that if he was born in West Virginia, the first thing he'd do is find a road map so he could get out of there. And uh, Bob can't tell the Battens apart, even though it's obvious one of them is a a little bit taller than the other one, and one of them apparently idolizes Hitler and has a tattoo. Despite all of those things, poor Bob can't tell them apart. (laughs) It's just, uh, I mean, yeah, they are identical twins, kind of, but they're not so identical you definitely couldn't tell them apart. Especially with one of the guys having a tattoo. And he continues today with the Bella Twins. Yeah, yes. Well, I'd rather talk about them than the Battens. Amen, but we have a show to do. All right, so um, one of the Battens hits a one-legged drop kick. That looked really weird. I mean, it almost looked like if he did that on purpose, that would have been really cool, except I know that he didn't. So it made it just look strange. And uh, there was a missed time drop kick off the top rope for the win. So, and the way he missed timed it and then landed on the <laughs> landed on the guy. <laughs> look, I mean that was pretty dangerous. So he missed time the drop kick, and when he drop kicked him, he landed on top of him. That would have been really cool if he'd done that on purpose. But I know that was also an accident. Or they was really trying to kill the guy. I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe they did have it in for this guy. This, I mean, one of the Battens is a Hitler uh, apologist, apparently. <laughs> and the, the 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 views and opinions reflected on this show does not in any way reflect the views and opinions of the Place to Be Nation. And uh, this is all done in parody, just so I can save myself a lawsuit later. Amy. <laughs> okay, so... Not, not not much of a match. I mean, the Battens go over clean, whatever. Bobby Fulton's on the phone. That takes me back to the uh, WCW Lee Marshall 1-800-COLLECT where he's always on the road doing those road reports. That's what it made me think of when they show the picture of Bobby Fulton and, and have the grainy phone sound in the background where he's basically, Jackie's got a torn ligament. That's the excuse they're going to use. And uh, they're coming back to kick the heavenly body's ass. So, I have a theory on this one. Okay, I think this is a this is a cover for Jackie being in jail for his uh, discretions. Uh, I'll see, just leave I mean, it around, at that. Around here, you're not you, back then. You definitely wouldn't have gotten in trouble for that because I, I could just see it now. They get called to the guy's house. Like, hey, you're he's got a 13 year old with him. The cop shows up and he's like, ah, well, that's my ex wife. We can't do anything about this. <laughs> okay. So oh, moving, Lord. moving right on. Uh, so sad, but true. It's that the problem is that it's around here that that could be true. Do you need to read read that disclaimer again? No, no. This whole show is done in parody. Remember. We're we're, shoot, we're we're working. Yeah. We're not. We're, this is all a work. It's just all fun and games. 
All right, so we're at the desk with Cornette and the bodies. Pritchard says that in uh, Beckley, there's nobody going to take the belts off of them. And uh, Cornette's talking about the welfare recipients. Uh, he says he's seen the food stamp sticking out of the dude's pocket, which was great. And uh, he promises that the heavenly bodies are going to retire Jackie Fulton and tear his knee completely out. And uh, he, he holds up a sign that says, we'll work for food. Uh, and it's a sign that he's going to give Jackie after they tear his knee up. So, well, I mean, what can you say? It's Cornette. He's awesome. That's funny. It's it's def- I mean, the fans are definitely into the Fantastics, if nothing else. And they don't like Jim Cornette. So there is a little bit of heat there. And... The whole will work for food thing, that was pretty that was pretty good. And then coming up after that, we have got we're back at the desk and we recap the Horner and Landell thing that's been going on the past couple of weeks. And uh Landell dresses down Horner and I mean you, the, sometimes words are just not good enough. I mean, on a show like this, so let's just let's just go to the clip real quick. Just saw what you did. You powdered Tim Horner. Then he beat you fair and square. Then you tried to shove the check right down his throat. Well, first off, what happened was Tim Horner got down in his trunks and he tried to throw the powder in my face. But then I knocked it out of his hand. That plan backfired on him. Then we came out and I beat him fair and square. And then, well, what happened was, let me just tell you something, okay? Tim Horner got real lucky because I had a temperature of about 115. I'd already worked that mayhem, worked about 90 times that night. Tim Horner's just griping about that $5,000 because he ain't never had $5,000 before in his life. He better be glad that he ain't out here right now because if he was, I'd slap the taste right out of his mouth. I want to be in his nerves so bad he can't go to bed with his old lady at night. Hey, Tim, good buddy. Hey, oh, and there is Tim Horner. And there, and there it is. Okay, so Landell just completely dresses down Tim Horner. And as soon as he sees him, hey, Tim, good buddy. And then Horner just flat out freaking lays one in on him. And uh, they, they brawl around. And good God, Landell, I, he is so awesome. Just He's that perfect chicken shit hill that he will just talk shit about anybody. And then, But as soon as they come out, he, he's, uh, he's buddies with them. I mean, that is the perfect you know chicken heel you can't do it any better than buddy landell does it this was absolutely a classic interview of uh nothing i've ever seen to be quite honest with you and and then and then like after he got cold cocked they they, they go fighting it back into the corner and, and then the tv thing says don't adjust your TV sets, you know, it's they, they screwed up the audio, which makes it even more believable. Well, and it, actually, it was abs- absolutely classic. It, it actually did. They tripped. They you can see they tripped over the audio cables. They dislodged something. No, yeah, I thought that was just like I just no, thought that was a no. A he he actually trips over the audio cables as he's taking him out to the side there. So they 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 unhooked the audio equipment. <laughs> Yeah, and the TV and the TV channel had to put that on there because I guarantee you there was some grandmas out there and grandpas watching it, hollering at the TV. Why ain't you talking to me no more? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What happened? Did they kill Bob? (laughs) Did Tim Horner kill Bob Cottle? Poor Bob. He said that sweet man (laughs) with them big old saucer glasses. Yeah. 
He's just such a nice man talking about people exploding all over people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, good. Hey, Tim, good buddy. I, I can't get out. Yeah, of, I mean, hey, Tim, good head. buddy, so and then he just gets funny. Cracked. That's awesome. Okay, so if you don't watch anything else in these three episodes, at least go watch that thirty, you know, forty-five seconds, whatever. It, it's worth it. It, it. And the thing is, no, knowing what I know now about Landell, he probably didn't even feel it. No, no, I, I actually think mostly, buddy was on the up and up at this time. So he won. He won so stinking high. He, Okay. No, no, I don't believe. I mean, he was he 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 definitely had his his issues, but I think it at least early in this run he was okay, and then when he reappears later after he disappears after he has some issues, and he'll reappear later, then he was okay then too. So you, I think pretty much on the the Smoky Mountain stuff, he he actually was you know, about as good as Buddy's going to get at that time. Well, it had to hurt then. Yeah, sure. yeah, he he definitely cracked him one. So, Matt, uh, well, no, we go back to the desk with Horner. He wants Landell, obviously. So, um, that was pretty much nothing interview because he he said it all with his fist. Match number four: Ben Jordan and Jimmy Golden. And Go- Golden is a cool heel. I love Jimmy Golden. He's just got that swag, it, it, even with the rat tail. He's still got a swag. And if you can pull a swag off carrying a rat tail, you, you, you've got swag. And uh, he shakes Jordan's hand prior to the match, which is a little cool thing. And then he tries to jump him, but Jordan ducks out of the way. And it was a pretty quick match. They give Jordan a little bit of offense, but, I mean, it's it, most of these matches in this show is definitely squash matches. And this was pretty much the same in Golden with the drop kick for the win. And uh, that pretty much done. Uh, anything you all want to add on that match, Justin? Uh, yeah, Golden is a pretty good heel. I mean, he, he he's kind of a guy. Well, see, I like heels, obviously, but he he seems like a guy that's in between a to me in between a heel and, and a face. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. He, he's a good. He's a really good worker. Obviously, he's a. But, He's a classic southern. He's not. He he's not a he's not a big asshole like most like most no. of the heels are like big jackasses. You know that. Get, yeah, get he's more rise out of the crowd. Yeah, he's more just that he just wants to kick your ass, and he's just a bad guy because that. Right. No real yes, reason. I, I agree with that. Yep. All right. So, um, Andy, anything you would like to add? All you can say is anybody that sounds like Foghorn Leghorn and still is a badass, that's that's a good heel. There you go. Bob Armstrong at the desk, he says that he doesn't have it in for Paul Orndorff. He finds Orndorff $500 for the use of a foreign object, and Brian Lee basically has begged uh, Armstrong not to, not to uh, suspend Orndorff, and he's going to let Lee take care of it, so that's where we leave that. Yeah, what's he going to do? Uh, match five, which is the main event of the first taping. Paul Orndorff against Dixie Dynamite. And uh, Orndorff, when he gets mad, I make a note that his mannerisms are are very, very top-notch. You know that the guy's mad. 
any of these hills, I mean, that's what we talk about. Some of them get it and some of them don't. Mostly all of their hills pretty much get it. But if they're vocal, if if they at least show the fans that they're mad, I mean, he gets frustrated and you know he's frustrated just by how he's acting. You don't have to know anything to know if you flip the TV channel on and you watch that for five seconds, you're like, well, that dude is pissed off because he can't beat the little dude up. That's all you need to know. So Orndorff is really, he's a really good heel that can convey stuff like that. Um, the, it, uh, since it is the TV main event and Dixie Dynamite's an upper mid Carter, there's, there's a lot of, there's, it's a back and it's more of a back and forth match than you might expect. Not a real long match. Orndorff gets hit with a Confederate kick, but then Dixie Dynamite jumps up onto the top rope, goes for a crossbody. Orndorff rolls through for the pin, and this time he actually does grab the tights uh, and make sure the TV cameras see it because he has to win underhanded to beat Dixie Dynamite. Um, it was okay. Justin, what did you think of the match? Yeah, it won. It, won. it was okay. Like you said, it was okay for – the main event of a you know the first show i mean we obviously know this is the first of three shows at this venue but uh it was all right dixie dynamite's an okay worker orndorff he's great he's funny believable heel uh other than that it's you know i mean the commentary is funny as always with dutch I like how he points out at the beginning of the match that Orndorff's the only guy that doesn't have entrance music because he don't need it because he just comes out and takes care of business. Right, yeah. It's just one of them little subtle things. Well, since you mentioned entrance music, I swear I believe it's Dixie Dynamite singing his own entrance music. I could be wrong, but it it sounded awful similar. It could be. I would have to reference that. That guy's kind of goofy, by the way. Yeah, I mean, they, God, is. it's just, it was such a weird time, and it's East Tennessee, and I tr- we try to put ourselves in the in the time frame because I know that back then even Corny was still okay because we were behind the times, and it was more of a, I don't know. It, 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 is, hard, it is hard to, you know, think that, you know, it was, uh, hell, 24 years ago when this was going on, but he was, he was still kind of goofy. But, I mean – as much as uh, I will always praise Cornette because I think he's a genius. But yes, yes, yeah, but, no doubt about that. But, I, I'll never dispute that. But one thing I will say is some of his faces in East Tennessee, like, like we were big NWA back in the day, Justin. I mean, Ron, yeah, Ronnie right. Garvin, Magnum TA, Dusty Rhodes. I mean, Dusty Rhodes was a gimmick. And but Magnum TA was Goldberg before Goldberg, and then I mean he got hurt, so he obviously never reached his potential because he got injured he, he and he was to, done. He, in the car accident, or something. right? And and Ronnie Garvin, I mean he won the NWA title. I know they say it wasn't a successful title reign, but the NWA kind of built a lot of these guys up as just being badass faces. They didn't need. A weird kid-friendly gimmick. I mean, Cornette, in a way, with with Dixie Dynamite and and Danny Davis exploding all over people, and and some of this <laughs> right. stuff, they were he was almost a, leaning a little toward what McMahon went with in the WWF with more cartoony characters. Right. Honestly, I yeah, mean, at which, least that's which, what I'm which, seeing which, right now. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's what that's what McMahon did in the early nineties. He did all, his, yeah, like you just said, cartoon characters, like uh, uh, I don't know, Fashion Booger. It was one I can think of. The the Berserker. Oh yeah, they they had all those goofy ass. I mean, my like God, that. Tito Santana is one of the best wrestlers they had, and then they turn around and El try Matador, to make people forget. And yeah, the Bullfighter. Yeah. They make Tony Atlas Saba Simba. I mean, yes, they, they. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, it's not. W- yeah. It just it seems like a lot of, at least here early in Smoky Mountain, Cornette's faces are more of a. Um, they're more cartoony than they would be than you would think they would be in a territory that's supposed to be more blood and guts and East Tennessee. It, Andy, what what do you think? I mean, you're with me. You're down here with me. So, what what do you think about this? I like I say, I think I think he was trying to toe the line of he wanted him to be a little bit badass, but he wanted the cartoon character type too, so you could draw the kids in. If you draw the kids in, the parents are going to come. And I, I don't know. I think he he towed the line when he maybe should have went, you know, more toward like you're talking about, like the old NWA type baby faces you know a little bit badass you know look i don't need no help i don't care what you're gonna do i'm gonna overcome and leave it at that but you know like i say it seems like every baby face has the cartoony gimmick whereas the heels had more of a you know a character development you had different kinds of heels but every baby face so far has that cartoonish gimmick to it. Which is one reason why I think it's a misstep that they didn't, wasn't able to keep Doug Furness around. He wasn't a very good talker like Brian Lee either, but he was a believable guy. I mean, he looked like he could whip sure. your ass. So they, they, they need there, there, There's definitely a fine line, I think, between being believable, being a badass, and then being the cartoon character. Bringing the kids in, like like you said, you know, but, you know, like, I was a kid back in the early 90s, and I, I still went to the WWE events that had, like, like the early, like, the late 80s, early 90s, there was, it was still, like, actual, quote-unquote, wrestling, I guess, guys, not cartoon characters, and, it's, and it still drew me, and I was a little kid. Yeah. So... Well, and, and I, I, I don't, I don't quite get why they went went to the cartoon character crap, but that's just me. Well, and, and one then the, before I mean I will jump off of this, but the the la- other thing I will say is that at the end of the day, Cornette also needed his baby faces to sell merchandise, so it was it was good that Tim Horner was white lightning, so they could sell the lightning bolts and. I don't know if we sold firecrackers or not in Smoky Mountain, but if we did, that could have been epic for Dixie Dynamite. Well, no, not even sparklers. Let's just let's get out in the Tijuana Mamas, and we could have a, a hell of a, a show when Dixie Dynamite comes out. I mean, half of the audience may be blown away, literally, but it would have been <laughs> hilarious. I mean, it made for good TV. Well, that's all I'm saying. Uh, okay, so that, that's the end of episode 19. We'll, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll be back with episode number 20 and 21 right after this. You're listening to Fire in the Mountains, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Oh. 
Cock-a-doodle-doo, it's time for chicken. Cock-a-doodle-doo, it's time for a feast. Eat a 90-piece bucket, you can tell. He's been to clucking bell. The chicken is a bird with a tiny brain. So we assume he doesn't feel any pain. We shrink their heads and we breed them fast. Six wings, 40 breasts, and then they're cast. Cock-a-doodle-doo, we're psychotic crazies. Cock-a-doodle-doo, factory farming's insane. We denied it all before a stock price fell. Come down to the Clucking Bell. Clucking Bell. If you enjoy it, the chicken didn't die in vain. Yeah, and welcome back to Fire in the Mountain, Smoky Mountain Wrestling Review Show. Cares if it did. <laughs> Ricky Wittenberg, Justin Edgel, Andy Waddell. And we are now down to episode number 20 uh, this week. So the mid, the middle part of the, of the TV taping uh, on episode number 20. Bob Armstrong comes out and says that in mid-July, they're going to have Summer Blast 92, which will be the next uh, big Smoky Mountain card. Can he ever change his freaking clothes? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> Ever. The man was very thrifty. Let's just put it that way. I guess so. Match number one, Paul Lee versus Robert Gibson. And, um, I mean, let's get the uh, the 90-pound elephant out of the room here. Is, is Paul Lee the biggest Ric Flair ripoff that you've ever seen? Yes. I, I think he is. I mean, as far as if, if you're going to compare Buddy Landell and, and Paul Lee, yes, in the ring, yes, because he he does the whole face drops and then the, the whole thing over the ropes and then gets nailed. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes. I mean, well, in the he, ring he is. As far as far as like the dress, you know, you know, Buddy Landell comes out with the ro- whole rope thing and all that. And I think it's funny and all that but in the ring paulie well i I think by far yeah if if you want to say it's as a pure tribute act to rick flair the guy does a good job i mean yeah he does pull it off and looks at least in tribute similar to what rick flair would look like doing this kind of crap um andy what do you make of mr lee uh, all he was missing was the woo. That's, uh, I mean, he had everything else going down. And like I say, he did a very good job of imitating him, impersonating him, copying him, whatever you want to call it. But it, it was impressive. The thing that kept catching my eye, though, was why Gibson wasn't DQ for clotheslining him over the top rope when he did the fall. I'd, actually, you know what? That's a good point because I thought of that when I was watching the episode. I'm like, I know they say. I think that's one of those things where they say the momentum carried you over. Well, he no, he he clotheslined <laughs> him over the top rope. There was no excuse for that, but whatever. And, and this begs a question to me: why why does Jim Cornette have two guys that are trying to imitate Ric Flair? Does he hate him that bad? No, that I mean, no, Ric Flair. I mean, Jim Cornette loves Ric Flair. I mean, that's one of his favorite people. I. I just think Paul Lee was a Rip Ric Flair tribute act, and he just happened to have him on this set of tapings. He's not always there. And, I mean, Buddy Landell, I'm, 
Flair was Landell's favorite wrestler, so he idolized Flair, and, and he done the Nature Boy thing. But at least Landell, with his Nature Boy thing, was quite a bit different than Flair. He'd done some of the same stuff, but, but he had his own style, for sure. Sure. Paul Lee was, like, he was trying to imitate Flair, yeah, like, mean, to a T. Yeah, I mean, the, to me. Uh, can we just, do you want to call him Little Nature? Because uh, that, that <laughs> you might as well, I guess. I mean, <laughs> we've heard the stories of Flair on the airplanes and and unveiling and undoing the robe and Little Nate coming out, but I, I, I don't <laughs> I don't know what you know Flair and undoing the robe and Paul Lee come flying <laughs> flying out from there would be would make a would make a more interesting sight. I would imagine. Hello! <laughs> Ta-da! <Woo! laughs> yeah. now, that's when Paul Lee woos <laughs> right there. <laughs> That's the only time Paul Lee will woo. Oh, God. Oh, okay. that's glorious. Anyway, uh, Gibson won, of course. Uh, he actually hits a good-looking bulldog. I'll give him credit for one. He he hits it out of the corner with Lee staggering to his feet, which is the perfect way to hit that bulldog that he hits. And it actually looked good for once. So I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, like, like we was talking about last week, that's not exactly a move you can hit out of nowhere. It just don't work. No. And then we will get, we go to the desk. Jimmy Golden's at the desk. He tells Gibson that he's never beat him, which is another one of, going back to earlier in the show. If you're a heel, just say he didn't lose. That's the, uh, the easiest way to get over it. And Gibson says to sign his name on the dotted contract. So just as soon as Gibson gets one, I'm going to put him right back in the shitter. I mean, the dot. I mean, I know that the English language escapes some people, and it just escapes some people more than others. And Gibson never quite dotted, was known. Dotted contract. What the hell does that mean? I, I don't know. I mean, ask uh, Brian okay. Lee what the, what he meant. I'm his. I'm his wonder. Yeah. yeah so. Anyway, how many, how many times do two grown men say the word "boy" in one argument? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, at least it wasn't like WCW when when they had Harley race calling Ron Simmons boy, because that was a little more uncomfortable. Yeah. They, oh, yes. uncomfortable, we'll get to that later, but yeah, there, there was definitely <laughs> some uncomfortable moments. All right. This. So, uh, match number two, Tommy angel against killer Kyle. Oh, for the love of Christ almighty. Um, they're, I'm, they're still trying to figure out what he's got in the briefcase. Everybody that listens well, to this show, you know what he's got in the briefcase, and Justin's going to tell us something else about a briefcase now. Uh, yeah, did you did you see did you notice like when he when he was coming down the aisle? Well, I guess that you even call that an aisle when he was coming towards the ring. Yeah. Anyway, it looked like he he, he stuffed something up his nose. So I guess he had he had to get. Put some up his nose. He was Looks like he did a line of coke or yeah. something. He might have gotten it from Landell. Who knows? That's always possible. Killer Kyle, um, one of the more interesting characters. I mean, l- listen, when he comes to the ring wearing the getup, uh, he looks like a big deal. And then he takes his stuff off and he starts fighting, and then all that goes out the window. And then even Dutch Mantel, and I know he didn't because Dutch is really good. And he didn't mean to say it the way he said it, but he's like, well, Killer Kyle's not that big of a guy. He even admitted the dude wasn't that big because he's not that tall. So uh, even Dutch was accidentally kind of burying him during the match. And, and Tommy Angel is a tall guy. So, I mean, Tommy Angel's towering over this guy. And uh, what Killer Kyle with the rub out for the win and 
he almost yet again almost breaks his neck on his own finishing move, which eventually is, I'm I'm I've come to the conclusion it's going to happen, and I've just forgot about it. And uh, well, uh, well, I think I think Dush Dush is probably still pissed off about that big botch off the top rope. Oh did. yeah, from a couple of episodes a ago, a few weeks ago, <laughs> he's so pissed off that he even had to call that match that he's just going to take it out on him now. Right, but, and and, and, Mark, and and I don't know, like Curtis trying to grab him, grab his arm, both arms on each side, was so funny. Oh yeah, yeah. And Cur- Curtis is the best. He's the best. Yeah, and Curtis in this match, actually, you know, I've made a note why he shows that he's one of the better referees. When Kyle hits the ridiculous finisher, Mark Curtis sells it by actually when Kyle hits the mat with Tommy Angel bouncing up in there a couple of feet where it makes it look like the impact drove Mark Curtis off the ground, which when you watch it in replay, you can actually see the guy jump. But if you're watching it live, it kind of looks like he gets bounced, which was really cool. And then they have to show the close-up replay of him jumping, which negated that, but whatever. But that, that I mean, just those little new, that's why Mark Curtis shows that he's, He's a good referee. I mean, just those little things that he does that most guys don't do. And, I mean, we've talked about this before. When when a guy takes a slam, Curtis, he winces with it. And when the guy gets hit, he, he moves like he's getting hit. He, he actually is a really good referee for – I've never seen another – maybe Tommy Young kind of done that, but there's not too many referees that do, that do – or that ever did what Mark Curtis uh, does. Uh, he just he's just a really solid ref. And I can imagine yeah. it, it. It was probably a little bit after this that he was in WCW. Oh yeah, imagine. yeah. I mean, I think ninety six, um, ninety six or so. I mean, Smoky Mountain shuts down in ninety five, so he was in WCW in ninety six, ninety seven, and the, and then he he passed away. I, I think in ninety nine uh, from the cancer. It was horrible, sad. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we Killer Kyle he rubs out Tommy Angel, which can't really worst, worst finisher <laughs> finishing move name ever. A rub out by the guy that carries down the dildo. No, down well, there. I mean it's a, it's apropos. That's <laughs> um, we we go to the desk and oh God Almighty. <laughs> Just They're both going to explode on it's us. Dixie Dynamite and Danny Davis. And, the, you know, if we didn't already have five face tag teams on the roster, that would actually have been a pretty legitimate tag team because you got the two guys that explode all over everybody. It's it's perfect, perfectly set up. And uh, they're basically just uh, putting themselves over. Uh, they, they wasn't really feuding with anybody or talking to anything, just – when Smoky Mountain comes to your town, watch uh, the little firecrackers. And my God, Scott Armstrong was trying so hard. When my little firecracker saying Confederate kick, Confe- that's hard. You don't chant <laughs> Confederate kick. I mean, come up with a different name for your finisher than Confederate kick. If you think the fans are going to chant that when you're when you're about can, to do it, can you imagine that these days? That going over? No, not at all. I mean. I mean, actually, you know what? It could. <laughs> We've got the the way the country's divided. Uh, you get the well, right guy. You get the right guy doing that, and it would go over, and then the guy'd get killed. 
It'd be like the Bret Hart thing again, you know. It oh. depends on what part of the country. Yeah, just depending on what that. state you're in instead of what part of the country. Yeah, that's a good point. That 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 was yeah. That's a good that's a good comparison actually, Andy. There, the whole Canada and versus USA thing back yeah. in the day. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we got the Rich Cousins now, the Party Patrol, and Johnny Rich. I, he's got a he's a pretty good interview. I mean, he, he's at least believable. He looks like he's mad. He's going to kick the heavenly body's ass. And they have poor Davey just kind of meandering around there. And I think he he was chewing on his ring jacket or something during the interview. But he don't have much to add. Let me put it that way. I, Justin, is he not your favorite Rich of, of them all? Well, according to Doug, <laughs> he's pretty much a retard. Well, so. I mean, that's what Dutch Mattel said. So, which you could say that in 1992, and it was okay, but it's it's not right. <laughs> you could, you could, there, there, there's another thing you couldn't get away with it. No, these days, uh, no wins. So we go into match number three, and it's Kazana and Jeff Gordon again. Um, and this time they're fighting the party patrol. Hey, 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 a double dose of the piss shower. <laughs> oh, God. How about that? <laughs> oh, Lord. oh Lord! Yeah. So, <laughs> Okay. The views of Justin do not represent the rest. No, no, no. Okay, so da- D- Davey Rich is not, he's okay, but he's not that good. I really like Johnny Rich, though. So if they could have got Tommy Rich in there to, been, to be with Johnny Rich, they would have. Richie Rich would have been an improvement. Yeah, well, Richard Pryor would have been pretty good, too. And I'm pretty sure by then he couldn't even walk. Uh, but anyway. It, Davy Rich is not that impressive. Um, Dutch informs us during this match that he's a systems analyst and he's also pre-law and pre-med. He's 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 great. Uh, he he just makes shit up as he goes, which is fine because he's Dutch mentality could do that. Uh, Kazan, I still you know I will say this and I've said it through I've, probably since the first episode. For a bigger little dude, he moves around pretty well. Uh, he bumps good. And he actually yells loud enough where the crowd can hear him, so he tries. I'll give him that. This uh, the Jeff Gordon character. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it may be in the first time he had ever seen a wrestling ring. Yeah, they were protecting him. You you could tell because oh yeah, was I mean they let him through the whole thing. Yeah, I mean Kazana, he he'd been around the business his whole life, so he knew what he was doing. This, this other poor guy, he he was probably not long into the business and. Uh, I don't think he was long for the business because I don't remember the guy. So, well, he went into racing. So, see, uh, yeah, that's true. Okay, he he's retired now. Yes, he's a mo- uh, anyway. So, there's a I've, I've gotten show notes. There's a possible dead grandma in row one during this match, uh, and there's also a two year old with black eyes. Uh, the kid could be possessed. I'm not quite sure, but there's definitely a two year old with black eyes somewhere. I think he's in the front row. Uh, that that shows you how how impressive this match was. I was actually seeking out fans to try to find the fan of the week, and all I found was a dead grandma and a demon kid. Children of the corn. Um, it wasn't a bad match actually, though. I don't for a squash. They actually had a better match with these two than the uh, Hitler twins. So. The I did I didn't like the finisher though. It's a he whips him out of the corner. One of the rich cousins does, and it's a whip from the buckle to buckle, and it's a cross body. 
and it didn't it didn't look all that impressive. I mean, they were trying something, but it just it didn't work right. At least he didn't almost kill the guy like the Batten uh, did, though, the previous episode. So that's an improvement. Um, anything you all would like to add about this match? Andy, less said the better. More or less. Like I said, when you're looking for the, in the crowd for the fan of the week during the match, that's, that's what you, that's all you can say about it. Actually, I will say something. This actually shows that Smoky Mountain was trying to build a tag team division. The only problem is they had the heavenly bodies on the hillside and they had like five face tag teams. They needed another one or two. That's exactly right. They have too many freaking faces. I've been saying this. Yes, you're right. You're exactly and, right. And see, that was the bad part. In the tag team division, they had one heel team and all these other face teams. And then when you got to like the upper echelon of the you know, heavyweight championship, you've got one face guy they're trying to push that's really not that good and 17 good heels to go against him it was it was lopsided i mean how hard would it have been to put buddy rock put uh, buddy roberts oh that would have been interesting we'd have definitely been on the top of Freebird mountain then um bring yes. buddy landale and rip rogers together as a, a legitimate heel tag team or okay. or kept the Ooh. i would have kept jack victory and rip morgan around or or even those uh the wild bunch My, wild i loved bunch. joel deaton and billy black they were awesome there's only on two episodes, but they were really good. They were pulling off moves that you didn't see till shoot, probably the mid nineties or, you know, later nineties with the tag teams pulling maneuvers they were doing. And they wasn't little guys. It wasn't like it was a couple of cruiserweights doing it. I mean, they're no. pretty good sized dudes. Uh, anyway, th- that was one of the problems. Th- they just had too many face tag teams. So anyway, uh, down and dirty with Dutch. And it's a new segment, and he debuts with uh, his boy Barry Horowitz, and and uh, Dutch tells Barry that he's he's a lot he's got a lot of talent, unlike Carl Styles, who by the way is institutionalized at this time. And um, he but but they flash across the screen. It was all over a speeding ticket. He got institutionalized. Well, no, I, I, I think that this is just Dutch. To, he just took him to back to the home. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, know, I, know that. I mean, poor Carl was Dutch's Frankenstein monster that he couldn't do anything with, so he he destroyed him. And it's just too bad we didn't get to see the payoff on TV, because I, I would have, even though Styles was not a great wrestler, or at least from what I could see, and Dutch is for all of his good things that he does, he's not one of the best wrestlers. If they would have blew that off and at least had Styles kill him, that would have been fun. Oh yeah. Anyway, so we're we we've now got uh, Dutch transition into Horowitz, and he flashes across the screen. The Barry is zero and forty three, and and the look on Barry Horowitz's face, he said, "I God, are you sure? I just I thought it was only twenty five or twenty six. Like that makes it a lot better. It's zero and twenty five or twenty six is better than zero and forty three, and." And basically, the the gist of the down and dirty with Dutch is that Dutch is going to give Barry the skill to become a war, a champion, and good for Barry Horowitz to get an, to actually get some kind of a legitimate angle in Smoky Mountain. About time. 
Yeah, I agree with it. Yeah, you're right. It's about time. It, it, you know, it's funny that, <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know, it's so funny to me. Because he, he, he always lost in the WWE or WWF at the time. And looking at it, Looking at it now, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's cool I, to see him. It's cool to see him to get a little bit of a push, somewhat. I mean, he he might lose the rest of the matches he has, but it's cool to see him get a little bit of a push. Yeah, sort and, of. And it's interesting because on, uh, Barry Horowitz, and it was around this same time. I, I would have to reference exactly the, when this happened, but he was in Global in the early days of Global after the USWA was out of Dallas and he was their light heavyweight champion. So, I mean, the guy was actually pushed decently in, in Texas. And I think it was almost nearly at the same time that he's being pushed hard in Texas, that he's got this streak of just being an absolute jobber in Smoky mountain. And, and honestly, the talent levels weren't that much different. Uh, he, he, they, but they had too many good heels, and well, that, that's that's the problem we've talked about. They they had way too many good heels in Smoky Mountain. So I understand why he can't be up there with with Buddy Landell and Dirty White Boy and Paul. Well, here's, yeah, where, here's where they would have benefited from like a light heavyweight division, or you know, absolutely you know, some other title to give the littler guys a chance. Well, I mean, we'll see that. In the, I, it seems like most anytime they have two guys that are smaller against each other, they have really good matches in Smoky Mountain. Yeah, yeah they had to build in division for it, so I mean Yeah, that may have been a little bit of a a missed opportunity anyway. So we go to match number four, it's Ben Jordan and uh, Minnie Scott Steiner versus the Heavenly Bodies. Um What's it what's his real name? Joey Mags. Oh. Jumping Joey Mags. Yeah, I'm tired of that guy. Anyway, I, I will. I need to post a picture of Scott Steiner in that similar getup with Mag side by side because I swear to God, Joey before Mags, he, before he well for into him. I mean, this would have been Scott Steiner circa 1990, not Scott Steiner Freakzilla. So this uh, is still during the Frankensteiner era. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when he could actually still pull off a Frankensteiner without it looking like he was going to die. <laughs> I'm surprised he's still alive, by the way. Anyway. Um, anyway, this matchup, not a whole lot going on, but it is one of the better comments of the night when Dutch was talking about Brian Lee randomly during this match. And he said, he says after the volunteer slam, there's women knocking on his door all night long. At about 7 o'clock, you let him out. <laughs> oh, Dutch. Can't Another one that probably wouldn't go over today. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. And, no uh, way in hell. Th- this is a nothing match. The bodies go over easy. Duh. Not much to say here. So we go back to the, we go to the desk. Pritchard says that the fantastic girls, that, that their girls are ugly, and they remind him of the sweat hogs in the audience. And That's a Rick Rude ripoff right there. The sweat hogs is a Rick Rude line. Well, I mean, he was already borrowing from some other... Roddy oh, Piper, pretty heavy. Yeah, he, he sounds like Roddy Piper. I understand that. So, I mean, he—that he, was definitely the stick. And Cornette says that he has studs, and that the Fantastics are nags. So, 
not much there. Desk with Tim Horner. He'll leave Smoky Mountain if he can't beat Buddy Landell. And uh, Bob was like, no, Tim, don't do it. <laughs> I hope he does leave. And Dutch waves at him. He's a cornball bastard. Uh, Get and, out of here. And, and I'm Dutch, shameless. Oh, God. No. Exactly. <laughs> I'd rather hear Horner something. <laughs> <Please stop. laughs> that, there, that's the reason right there to leave, right there. Singing that shameless shit. Oh, God. Okay, so match number five, Brian Lee against Rip Rogers for the title. And I was pretty excited when I seen that my, our boy Rogers was going to get a title match. But immediately, right, r- r- before the match starts, Ron Wright and the Dirty White Boy come down. And Ron Wright gives Rip Rogers $2,000 to get out of the ring. And you can see Rip, Rip's counting it. And he goes, oh, that's $2,000. You just want me to leave? <laughs> yes. and, and he was like, okay, <laughs> no problem. So, but he he turns around and sneak attacks Brian Lee. The Dirty White Boy jumps in. Lee kind of takes back over. Rip Rogers disappears. And, and Dutch lays it out for us that for the, the people that don't quite get what just happened, basically is Ron Wright paid off uh, Rip Rogers to take a hike. So Dirty White Boy could fight Brian Lee, which, uh, bef- yeah, before we get into the rest of the match, let's go, let, let's look at the psychology of the booking here just a little bit. How long has Ron Wright been begging the audience and, and mad at the fans in Smoky Mountain because he has no money for his surgeries? And he just gives Rip Rogers $2,000 just so the white boy can fight Brian Lee. Does that make a whole lot of sense to anybody else? Well, you know somebody was out there looking at this going, wait a minute. He won't make send him some money, and then he had that money there in his I hate him. Yeah, I mean, that's possible what they were doing. I, you had to know, or at least maybe they just thought people would forget. I don't know. I mean, it's one or the other. Well, maybe maybe they thought that whole audience of that promotion was brain dead. Well, I mean, and to, you know, they couldn't couldn't remember that that's what happened. It, it, what it, the hell? It, it couldn't have been any more than I don't know, uh, two months, three months. Yeah, I, and then I, he's giving somebody two thousand dollars. Right, I I don't know. I mean, it just it stuck out because he's been begging for yeah, money, and then yeah. and then he gives Rip Rogers just pays him off so he don't have to so he can insert the white That's boy. Two thousand dollars. I I can hear it now. Oh yeah, Rip he Rogers stuffs us down, his down his tights. And uh, he's great. I mean, absolutely he, he's great. Freaking hilarious. He's the best. So. But basically, they just pound the crap out of each other for about 10 minutes. Um, the match breaks down. Ron Wright gives the Dirty White Boy bri- uh, brass knuckles. He smashes Brian Lee with them. And uh, we definitely have fans of the week show up in this segment, which we'll get to later. I, um, Brian Lee gets opened up by the, nuck- by the brass knuck shot. Hector Guerrero comes out. And he distracts the dirty white boy. The dirty white boy gets the nuck, the brass knucks taken from him. Brian Lee smashes the white boy with him. Mark Curtis sees it. It's a disqualification. Orndorff runs out. He hits Lee with a briefcase. Guerrero gets in the ring. Dirty white boy, he uses Guerrero's own tie to, to wrap him up in the ropes, and then he hangs him by his own tie, which was an interesting, interesting to see. And Paul, that was awesome. Paul Orndorff really, piled drives. That was hilarious to me. 
Uh, Orndorff gets the pile driver, and he did a couple of guys come out, and he he does the pile driver leaving them laying thing. They knocks Curtis down, and that was pretty much mayhem ends the second show. So that was a interesting episode. Uh, kind of a lot of squashes going on there, but definitely some uh, some good moments here in episode twenty and and the main event just with all the things that broke out and it was definitely worth, uh, definitely worth watching episode 20. And actually, if you're following along with us, episode 20, for some reason is blocked on, uh, where you could normally see it. I don't know why. And I tried to actually upload that episode also. And then it also got blocked. So, um, episode 20 is out there in other parts of the internet world. Let's say, let's put it that way. But uh, it's definitely worth seeking out, just if nothing else, to see the uh, the main event. Andy, what did, what did you think of this uh, this whole brouhaha at the end of the show? Oh Lord, it it, it was great. You you got to love a good brawl right at the end of the show to go home with. It's you you, you can't fail with that. But you know, and I I have to say I've never seen anybody hung by their tie quite like that before. So that was innovative. That, that was, that was interesting. Oh, hilarious. Uh, uh, Justin, anything to add on this? Uh, other than that, uh, not really. Um, Orndorf, I, I think he did uh, pile drive somebody. It was, that, yeah, was it Joe, yeah. Ben Jordan or somebody ran out and he left <laughs> Yeah, I, I, st- I still relate that to Stone Cold stunning people. Yeah. I mean, when somebody, com- when somebody comes into the ring. And he, and he stuns somebody, or it's just hilarious to me. So funny. Yeah, so we, we end episode 20 on a wild note, and uh, that was the second part of the three-part TV taping. So what we're going to do is normally this would be it, and we would come back next week and, uh, and do two more episodes, but we were actually talking, and it just doesn't make sense. It's almost like I, I used to watch, because my granny was, and God, Andy knows this too, our – all of our grannies was into the soap operas and God and light and as the world turns and the whole week would build up to the Friday show, which would leave the, you the what the soap operas, the stories, the stories, they watch their stories. So the whole week leads up and ramps up and then it, it usually pays off at the end of the week. So it's like a, it's like a whole week's worth. And if we would have stopped on this episode and started and done 21 and 22 then 22 is a whole different tv taping so it just it's kind of quonky it'd been off so i think doing it this way is going to make it a little bit uh cleaner as we do the shows so basically if you're listening what we're going to try to do some of the tv tapings had two shows uh or some of them had three shows and some of them had four shows on one tv taping so basically if it has two or three We'll do it in one show. If it has four, then we'll split it up and do it in two shows because it's just the way it continued the continuation. And I think it makes it cleaner. So that's why you're bonused this week with the third episode. And that's kind of how we'll try to do it going forward as we, uh, we'll try to figure out how many episodes are in a taping and, and break it down as we go. So right now we'll take our last break of the night and we'll come back with episode number 21. You're listening to fire in the mountains. Smoky Mountain Wrestling. 
Thank you. What do champion uh, gymnasts uh, Paul Hom, Morgan Hom, and Sean Johnson have in common? Great taste and Ortega. My tacos, the best. I love Ortega's taco sauce. It makes my taco pop. My secret's the crunchy Ortega taco shell and diced green chilies. Beat that, bro. I take an Ortega soft tortilla and Ortega shell, the taco double twist. Boys, always competing. There's no competition. Ortega is the champion of great taste. And welcome back to Fire in the Mountain, Smoky Mountain Wrestling Review. Ricky Wittenberg, Andy Waddell, Justin Angel, and Andy, does Ortega, in fact, make your taco pop? No, but Sean Johnson does, so yeah, I, it works. Yeah, I do. I'm pretty sure that, that uh, Danny Davis is what make the Hom Twins taco pop. <laughs> <laughs> Pew! Oh. Um, yes. <laughs> All right, so we're back with episode number 21, and uh, once again, it is the continuation of the same television taping. And right off of, uh, straight out of the bat, the, we're at the desk with Bob Dutch, and now Barry Horowitz has joined uh, Dutch since he's his new protege. And uh, Barry tries to imitate Dutch, but at least it don't look like he's trying to rape the guy at the same time. I mean, Horowitz, is uh, he, he actually is giving Dutch just a little bit of space, <laughs> which is nice that he's got some personal space here um, that, that Carl Stiles was not I like style, him. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yes. So man, we go straight into match number one. And since Rip Rogers didn't get the fight last week and, and he pocketed some money, this week he's got Nitro Danny Davis. And Danny Davis brings back his... Um, his interesting tights that uh, looks like the 1987 couch, um, that god awful, that god awful look, and I don't know why, but I made a note: is is the woman smoking a blunt in the audience? I think this is actually the fan of the week's wife, so that might be the screen cap that I use, and, and it's very possible because <laughs> I, I think that, that it was a little more relaxed in 1992. So you could probably do that in Smoky Mountain. The poor thing was just the poor she had to roll her own. It, it was just a cigarette. That's all it was. <laughs> so I, I counted. I actually went back and restarted the match, and it takes Rip Rogers 48 seconds to lose his knee pads <laughs> from from being perfectly up on his knees to around his ankles. Uh, 48 seconds for, for Rip Rogers and his knee pads. I, did, did they have double-sided tape in 92? I, I mean, because he could have benefited from it. I don't know. I, I just, at that point, I wouldn't wear knee pads because what good are they actually doing you? <laughs> they're, they're, they're supporting your shoes. That's about it. Um, during this match, Dutch asked Barry Horowitz to go get him a newspaper because he is his new lackey. This was a really good match back and forth. Like we talked about, two uh, smaller guys. And when Danny, Danny Davis as a worker is absolutely good. I have no problem with his work. It's, it's this character gimmick that they've given him that I have the problem with. But when you just it's watch just the that, guy it, work, he's good. He's a good Southern face. And Rip Rogers is a good all around heel. So there's a good dynamic. This is, this is one of the best matches by far of this three set taping. There's no no doubt about it. Uh, the the funniest part of the whole thing is when when Rip 
Rip, Rip screams DDT, and then he falls on his ass. Yeah, D- and, Davis and, holds and, and on to the ropes. And then he gets pinned. Yeah, well, he, he's trying to hit him with a DDT. He screams it. Davis is close to the rope, so he holds on to the ropes. Rogers goes ass over tea cattle. He gets back <laughs> up, and then um, Nitro Danny Davis hits him with a reverse neck breaker, much like a rude awakening, except he calls it the H-bomb. And, uh, and, and, and then when Davis was like making the pen, he screamed like a friggin' idiot. Yeah. You like, you know, like sounds like an idiot when he's screaming. <laughs> that was his, uh, uh, that was his explosion. It must've been. He's like, yeah. him, oh. he, he sounded like Howard Dean. I mean, woo. I mean, we got to see Danny Davis's vinegar strokes. And if you've ever watched the league, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yes, and if sir. you haven't, then you have no idea what I'm talking about, which apparently neither one of you watched the league. So you suck. <laughs> yes, I have. Oh, so you have what you have watched the league. Yes, sir. Okay. Anyway, so you must not have saw that episode. Jeff Goldblum. I'm shameless and clueless. I'll have to go watch it. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about this after the show. Match oh, number two. <laughs> match number two. It's Mini Steiner again, and he's fighting the nature boy himself, Buddy Landell. Landell comes out, and now see, this is the other thing that separates Landell apart. He's okay with having fans. He's one of these few heels that's okay. Most heels yes. play that card where they don't want anybody to cheer for him. Landell is perfectly happy having an audience in his corner because at least he's got a wingman for later. And um, he, show, he shows some of his signs from his fans, which actually they they done pretty well with him. And Bob says, well, he don't have a lot of fans. And Dutch says maybe he's got some closet fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonder what that means. God almighty. Mm. Of course, I mean, 1992, folks. 1992. Uh, yeah, what, what's Coddle saying there? Uh, uh, no, I, I mean, I Co- it wasn't Coddle. That was Mantell implying that. Uh, Coddle was trying to play it straight, pun intended. Uh, Dutch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dutch. Um, he asked Barry to go get him coffee during this match. So Horowitz has already went and got him a paper. And, and then he asked Bob if he wants Barry to get him anything. And Bob sounds a little annoyed. Like, you know, he don't want anything to do with this whole lackey thing. Yep. So he says, no, Barry is putting the whore in Horowitz. <laughs> he sure is. So, the, um, Landale get, he wins the match with the dirty figure four where he's holding onto the ropes Pretty good TV match. I'll give Joey Mags a little bit of credit. I mean, he's okay. He's not a bad worker. Just don't let him jump. Don't call the guy jumping Joey Mags when you can't jump more than three inches off the ground. That would be a yeah. good start. I would have just no, called him I, mini Steiner. I'm, I'm kind of ti- I'm kind of getting t- kind of tired about with J- Joey Mags. He he's in every freaking match. I feel like <laughs> he's so. he's definitely had his run. So yeah, I know. So see ya. All Get right. So the, we're at the desk with Buddy Landell after this match, and he ne- and there, he uses a lot of the same cliches that he uses a lot: the gasoline britches and whistling through your skull. And but it don't matter. He's Buddy Landell, and he's awesome. So In Hamilton County is Hamilton County around there? Uh, it's um, 
Hamblin County is the county right next to us. Yeah, I think he oh, meant, he See, meant, I, I live in Hamblin. Go ahead. I, I think he meant Hamblin County, but he I, I think he messed it up and said Hamilton. Yeah, it's Hamblin County because he that's where Tim oh. more it's Morristown, Tennessee, where Tim Horner's from. So. Oh, okay. See, because I live in Hamilton County. No. Oh, I shouldn't even say that, should I? No, I, I don't think you've got a stalker on this show quite yet, but if you do, <laughs> not yet. We'll, we'll, we'll go with it. We'll, 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 we'll try to get an order of protection eventually. But, hey, don't worry, dude. If anybody starts bothering you, we can round up more guns than the Bundy Ranch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's actually true. Uh, we're at the desk now with the Heavenly Bodies. Basically, the same interview from last week. We'll skip on over it. Match number three it's Minnie Nate against Dixie Dynamite. And Dixie Dynamite comes out with the sparklers. <laughs> Dutch Mantel is wanting to know where the fire bar is. That is so. I'm sorry. Yeah. That is so fucking horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> he is such a moron. With that bullshit. Um, I mean, he's at least playing up to his gimmick. Dutch calls him a pyromaniac. But sparklers? Uh, I mean, he couldn't bring firecrackers. I mean, he's not as freaking stupid as Jason. Dutch. I mean. Then Dutch is so funny. Call a fire marshal. That's what made it better. Yeah. Well, and let's give Dixie Dynamite credit. He's not as dumb as Jason Pierre Paul. He doesn't set off actual fireworks in his hand. Blew his hand off. <laughs> yeah. He's making millions of dollars, I guess. Well, here I am being the fran- franchise. I'm making millions. I'm being franchised this year, so what am I going to do? I'm going to blow my damn hand off. <laughs> right. Uh, now, like he, expl- he literally exploded all over everything. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, he did. Okay. Fan of the week sighting again. Uh, well, one of the fans. There's two that was in the running. We'll, we'll, we will post a picture later. Uh, I mean, Paul Lee doing the Nature Boy, same shit that he done last week. Um, and Dixie Dynamite wins basically in a squash. Wait, what can you say? The 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 entrance was glorious. The rest of it was crap. Because I thought Paul Lee's better. I, oh, well. I mean, Paul Lee's okay, but he's a, he's a jobber. I mean, there's like different levels of jobber. This guy's jobber jobber. Rip Rogers at le- is at least like lower mid-card to mid-card jobber. Paul Lee is the guy that's going to be selling popcorn in five minutes. He's he's got to get back to the popcorn <laughs> stand because his his shift's about to start. Oh, Lord. Uh, down and dirty with Dutch, we got Paul Orndorff this week, and it was a good. This was a really good interview. Um, Orndorff, he's asking Dutch why they can use this move. And Dutch shrugs. They both shrug their shoulders at the same time, looking at each other. And then they said, "Why are you doing? Why can they do this move? They do it again, and you just need to watch it because yeah. that was good back and forth." Just like, well, eh. there's both. Um, and then Dutch says it's conspiracy, and Orndorff goes off, calls Dutch a real smart man. You know, it is a conspiracy against him. And Orndorff wants to know how you can win the belt on a disqualification, and that's a, I think that's a very valid question that we all would like to know. The answer sure. to, uh, I think Paul knows better than anybody. Cause he was the one that said, Nope, <laughs> I ain't laying down for that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he calls, he calls it a smoky mountain ripoff and Brian Lee comes out and we've got our fashion statement of the week, folks. Holy God. We'll post the picture of Brian Lee and his, uh, his, all his gloriousness and his Zubas. 
Yeah, words can't describe the sight that you will see. So, um, anyway, they hold him back. Man, he's such an he's so annoying. They they come briefly back to the desk, and Dutch Mantel is thanking Barry Horowitz for holding him back because he he could have killed Bradley. <laughs> so, uh, and then we go back. Then we come back out of the break with Bob Cottle with the Party Patrol and the Battens together. And uh, they're going to put their hostilities on hold and let the Fantastics take on the Heavenly Bodies. Uh, basically, I think this was like, well, the Fantastics are back because Jackie is actually not injured anymore, so that means we're relegated to doing nothing. So all this crap we've said bad about the Heavenly Bodies, yeah, forget about it. We'll let the Fantastics kick their ass. I, I, you know, the best thing that could happen in that interview segment is for one of the Hitler boys to turn around and just smash Davy Rich across the face and go heel. That yeah, would have yeah. made sense. Just be done with it. I mean, the Battens have been heels before. It, it would have worked. They could have the badass Battens. The Badass Battens. <laughs> and, uh, um, yes, the Epic Ring announcer. Check him out. He He's, um, love it. In between the matches, because he's announcing the heavenly bodies coming out, and he does this prepare uh, the prepared statement from Cornette about not touching the bodies, or you're going to be ejected because all the women just can't. Yeah, did he? Did you see how his dark circle, circles under his eyes were so bad? He looked like he was half asleep. His I mean, eyes were rolled th- back this was the third in. episode in the TV taping, and we're coming up on the main event, so. I'm sure it had been a long day, long night, or whatever. He's probably had to put Dixie Dynamite. Whatever it was. He probably had to put Dixie Dynamite out after he got back to the dressing room. <laughs> that, that that took a lot of energy. <laughs> uh, so we get into our main event of the entire show, which is the Heavenly Bodies against Tim Horner and Robert Gibson. It's a, a They give it a lot of time, and it's definitely a lot of back-and-forth action. Four guys that can all work. And Gibson looks so much better when he's got a partner. Amen, brother. I mean, he you're right, Andy. He just he looks lost a lot of times without having that partner. Maybe like he wasn't confident enough to do it by himself. And just having the guy that he could tag out to, I don't know. It's like a whole different mindset with Gibson. He's he looks so much better when he's got somebody to to bounce off of. Yeah, it it had it had to be like a mental block because physically he's doing the same moves and stuff. It just it doesn't translate as good for some reason. I I don't know, but like I say, he he needs to stick with the tag teams, and well, we'll see what happens down the road. Yeah, I I, th- I think it'll improve. But basically, the way this match ends is Landell comes out, he he pulls Horner out of the ring, he smashes him into the post, throws him back in. The ref don't see it. The bodies get the pin. And uh, I li- I really like the TV main event um, for a good Southern tag match. Perfectly good TV. And the, even though Horner and Gibson are not an established, t- you know what the Horner and Gibson against the bodies I, was a good TV main event. But just because you've been building up the Battens or the Party Patrol, it seems like to me if you're going to throw the Fantastics back into the mix. Wouldn't it have made more sense to have the Battens or the Party Patrol against the Heavenly Bodies instead of just a thrown-together team of Gibson and Horner? 
Yeah, that way you could always use the excuse that you've eliminated one of the contenders so the Fantastics have a reason, you know, to be there. Except they beat the Battens in t- the tag tournament and they beat the Party Patrol at the Volunteer Slam. So that's, that's the other thing. So maybe that's why they did this. I don't know. I mean, this was a better match than I think they'd have got out of either one of the other two teams. So I, I That's probably the reason right there. Yeah. Cornette said, well, damn, these people have sat here for 18 hours. Let's let's at least send them home with a good match. Oh yeah, and like I said earlier, the fans basically were non-existent and didn't give. They they weren't very vocal. The only time that I caught them being vocal in this entire deal of these three shows, Rip Rogers got them riled up because Rip Rogers knows how to do that, and um, Robert Gibson for his singles match in the other episode. And when they announce him in this main event, Robert Gibson gets a huge pop. So for all the shit we give Robert Gibson, he's the most overdued in the territory, at least in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And I don't really get it, but he, but but you know, like you said, like you guys said, he he's a lot better as as far as a tag team wrestler, and I, and I know what's going to happen later. He he's going to be the Rock and Roll Express. He's going to be oh, joined yeah. up with Ricky Morton. Yeah, they'll they they'll, they'll they'll reunite the the greatest uh, tag team from the eighties from well Southern tag team of the eighties. Greatest right. tag team from the eighties. You said it right. Yeah, I mean, yes, probably. I'm it, it, it's hard to it, it, that's a debate. But yes, they they're definitely right up there. If they're not if they're not one, they're one A. So Let's uh, I can live with that. Let's get right into it, boys. Into the show awards. Uh match of the week, uh, I think we've all well, I got outvoted. I liked the TV main event a little bit better, but I, you can't go wrong with Rip Rogers and Danny Davis. That was a good fun TV match and Rip Rogers can make any match a lot better than it ever has a right to be. So we'll go with he Rock- made he made doing squats interesting. I mean, come on, the man is he's got a talent. Oh yeah, he's definitely yep one of the better one of the best characters in Smoky Mountain, no doubt. Interview of the yep. week. Let's let's give it to Ron Wright. Um, where, where he stops the dirty white boy from fighting Brian Lee because he has a heart attack all of a sudden. Uh, just, Ron Wright's, he, just his, his whole gimmick is, uh, is very good. And him stopping the white boy from fighting Lee because he's feigning a, a an ailment. A stroke. Yeah. He's <laughs> faking a stroke or whatever. Yeah. So we'll give it, we'll give that to the, uh, interview of the week. Soundbite of the week. We've already played it. Hey, Tim, good buddy. Whack. <laughs> he just gets cracked. It's definitely Buddy Landale with, after he goes completely off the rails on Tim Horner. And Horner, he, he sees him out of the corner of his eye. Hey, Tim, good buddy. And he's waving at him. Like, how you doing? He's like it's his long-lost best friend. And Horner absolutely jacks his jaw. Uh, most 90 sighting of the week, Brian Lee and his Zubas. We'll, we'll put that out there on the boards. And the fan of the week, it's uh, there's this this poor redneck guy that doesn't look like he he needs a biscuit, don't he, Andy? Oh, he needs biscuits and gravy. And, and gravy, maybe a little bit of sausage. Let's throw some pancakes at this poor boy. 
Just eat the lard straight out of the jar. God Almighty! Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll we'll get him on the show. The poor guy, he he could blow <laughs> away in a three mile an hour windstorm. So, all right, guys, that's three episodes down this week, and uh, I think we've covered everything pretty well. But uh, some final thoughts, Justin. Let's. Uh, what, what do you want to leave us with this week? It's been pretty fun. That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean, I, pr- I, pr- I probably said said some pretty crazy things, and I'm sorry if I offended anybody. No. But you know what? I'm not. It's fine. It's <laughs> it's, it's about what I feel. So. Yeah. Andy Waddell, uh, would you like to leave us with any Smoky Mountain thoughts for the week? I'm just glad to be on the place to be nation. You know, until the inevitable firing and restraining order. All right. So for Andy Waddell and Justin, that'd Andy- be me. Somebody's going to get something. We're we're going to get exploded Woo-hoo! all over before it is Valentine's over. Day, boys. It is, and uh, you know what, let, let, Tim? Uh, no, Danny. If you, Danny Davis, if you need a Valentine, don't don't look any further than Danny Davis because he would be somebody good to snuggle up on the couch with, and you know he's got one because he took the upholstery off of it to make his damn wrestling tights. <laughs> So for Andy Waddell and Justin Edgel, this is Ricky Wittenberg saying another fire in the mountains in the books. I don't know what that means, but okay. Smoky Mountain Memories Dot my home in Tennessee Yesterday keeps calling me, calling me home. Mountains rising in my soul, higher than the dreams I've known. Misty eye, they cling to me, my smoky mountain man.